going to continue looking here at uh, what we've started uh, a couple weeks ago and what we're going to play out for the next several weeks, and that's the, the glory plan. And, and the plan that, uh, of the glory, uh, of the Father of glory, and Ephesians 1 is kind of our launching pad, and we introduce this issue, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that your eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And, and really that's kind of where we're launching from and, and thinking about, because quite honestly, you know, you, you get the study in and you begin to learn about right division and you begin to make some the, the differences between the nation of Israel and her program and the body of Christ and her program. And, and you begin to see the, the exclusiveness and you begin to see Israel and what's going on with her in the Old Testament and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and early Acts and in the Hebrew epistles. And you begin, but really there's a bigger plan that the Father of glory, I love that title, the Father of glory, the one that gave life to glory. You know, you think about if you're a dad, you, gave, you, you participated in the giving of life to your offspring, your children. You're a father. And that's really what we started and introduced the issue of the Father of glory and that he has a plan and he called it glory and that is to exalt his son. You're in verse 17 if you drop your eye across the page to verse 10, verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ which both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him and and we just that's his plan bring it all back under the headship and the kingship and the rulership of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the all things there is government. Now, we haven't got into that yet. We're going to, okay? But if you can get the big picture in your mind, all right, that begins to help with what you see going on and what comes up in life at you to be able to have the proper viewpoint, the proper thinking process about it. We were talking last hour in, in Romans 1 there in our... Sunday school hour where Paul is talking about being ready and a debtor and not ashamed and everything. And if the, the proper, the love of Christ constrains us. It causes us to have the proper motivation. But that doesn't come from just, oh great, I'm saved. Woohoo, yay. It comes from understanding what he's doing. If you come over in, in Ephesians here to chapter 3, a, a, a verse that the, the more and more you study it, the more and more, for me anyway, it, it becomes a wonderful thing. Verse 18, verse 17, well, verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Yeah, that dwelling. We have a dwelling place, a home. You come in, and, and what, do you, what are you? You're at home. When you're at home, you know where everything is, don't you? Unless you're in my house and I move stuff, you know? We were over visiting one time my wife's uh, niece, and she is very much, everything sits in its place. So you know what I do? We rearrange the place. <laughs> what, dwell. That's a joke. You guys, it's Okay. <laughs> dwelling. You're at home, aren't you? You go in, you 
kick your shoes off, you relax. You're at home. Christ is going to be at home in your life, but how? By faith. Now, he dwells in you. He's there anyway. But what is Paul praying for you? You'd be strengthened and that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to what? Comprehend with who? All saints. And in that, you can just comprehend it, but you can comprehend it with who? With all the saints. Everybody is to understand this. They're to know the breadth, the length, the depth, the height. They're to know the love of Christ. That you can comprehend it. I, I said last hour, Paul says, I am debtor. I am ready. I am not ashamed. Paul says, I'm there. Those marks of spiritual maturity. So can you. I hear it all the time. People, oh, I can't know that, Rick. I just will never know it all. Well, no kidding. Paul never. Paul said, I'm still apprehended. I'm still trying to get there. And he's the, he's the main guy. <laughs> Could you imagine? The Lord talking directly to you, and then you sit there and go, I still don't get it all. And yet he wrote it all down. He says, I know in what, whatever state I am, there be with be what? Content. But he says, I learned to be that. I was instructed on how to do that. He took the information and put it in a, to, into his own life. We talked about that plan, knowing, comprehending, understanding. That's my goal and all of this. So you, you can see it. You can say, aha, there it is. Because when you get into the dirty details of everyday life, sometimes those get overwhelming and they overwhelm our thinking. And Paul says, no, man, have that big picture in play. Then last time, come over to Matthew chapter 12, 17. Matthew 17. Last week we talked about the glory of the God of glory. And I'll try to Remember to keep up on the overhead. So, Matthew 17, and that issue of the glory, of the God of glory, that, that embodiment of all of God's attributes and character in a blaze of radiant light, shining for that blazing representation of all of his attributes. And we are to reflect that. And we are, Ephesians 2 there, we'll see in a little bit, we're going to put all that on display. We're going to reflect it. Matthew 17, after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. Now watch. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Notice, shining as. That's inside out, isn't it? He's not reflecting it. It's coming from where? Inside and outward. All of his attributes are shining out for, all, for Peter, James, and John to see. That issue of him seeing, them seeing him in his kingdom glory. When he comes back as the king of glory. And as the Lord of glory, those two titles we're going to look at this morning. As we introduce, and really this is introduction number three, but just as we kind of get the ball rolling here. Come back with me to Psalms chapter 24. I just want to spend the morning briefly, I hope. Well, not too briefly. But spend the time just noticing some things here about those two titles. 
the King of glory and the Lord of glory. And, and again, I re- you realize, I hope you realize, that these subject matters are very deep and, and very exhaustive. We just can't do that in 45 minutes. So we're just going to skim the treetops, get you, pique your interest. That's my goal. You go in, work it out, and, and get studying it and look at it, and then, you know, say, hey, Rick, look at what I found, and I'm, I'm probably, I'll be right there with you. This stuff is wonderful to know and to understand and to comprehend. The King of glory and the Lord of glory. You're in Psalms 24. Psalms 24 is a second coming psalm. Psalm 22 is about the suffering of the cross. Okay? What he's going to go through. Psalms 23 deals, you know... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and all that. That's talking about the comfort that's going to come to the believing remnant. Psalms 22, you have the suffering of the cross, and you have the glory of the kingdom in the second half of that passage, talking about him. And in Psalms 24, you have a Psalm of David here, and here is a place that's going to be talking about his second coming. And here is the only place that the title, King of Glory, shows up is right here. Psalms 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Boy, what questions. By the way, just kind of a sideline. There is more information about creation in the book of Psalms and in the book of Job and Isaiah than is ever found in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is just a recap of all that information, honestly. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, (laughs) okay? You can find more information about what's going on in, in creation by reading Psalms and Job and Isaiah and of several other passages as well. Verse 4, he, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Notice that word Selah shows up, that pause in the, in, in, the, in, the po- in the poetry and the music of the Psalms, right? <clears throat> Thanks for playing. That's not what it's there for, okay? It's there so that Israel will stop, it is a pause, and just think about the doctrine of what they just read. Who are, they, who are we talking about? What's going on here? What is Israel? So when you read that Selah, it is a pregnant pause. It is a pause if, if you, in the poetry and the music and so forth. But it's not there for that. It's there to make them stop and think about it because the information that he just told them has to do with the second coming. Anywhere you read that Selah equals second coming doctrine. If you remember that, it will help you in what's going on in the passage because watch verse 17. I'm, I'm sorry, verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift, lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. When is he that? 
Not in his first coming. He was lowly and meek and mild. That's when he comes back in his second coming. What's he coming back as? The King of glory, the Lord of lords. He's the one that founded the seas and established it upon the waters. He's the creator, isn't he? That everlasting gospel over there in Revelation 14 that that angel preaches to the Gentiles. You ought to go read that. You know what it says? Fear the creator. doesn't say anything about dying and trusting Christ, dying on sins on the cross. It says fear the creator. Fear God. Verse 9, lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, He is the King of glory. Selah. A reference to the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ as the King of glory into Jerusalem. He's the King. And when he comes back as king, he comes back to the earth in his second coming. And what's he going to do, Matthew 25? He's going to sit on his throne, isn't he? And it's going to have glory around it. Come on over to Psalms 102. His glory as the king of glory in the kingdom with, the, with Israel, the, the, the true Israel of God in the presence. The 12 apostles sitting on the 12 thrones, judging out the 12 tribes, judging out the Gentile believers. And he sits there and he says, here we are, Psalms 102. Notice, if you will, verse 15. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth thy glory. When the Lord will build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. When's he going to appear in his glory? In the second coming, when he's building back Zion, when he's coming back and he's, and it's the day of the Lord, it's his day to bring the lofty and make them low. Psalms 132. Psalms 132. Folks, you may say, well, okay, Rick, what, this is all Israel and that's great, but he's going to do it for you and I too. Psalms 132. Sorry, I told you I'd try to keep up. There we go. Psalms 132, verse 11. Psalms 132, verse 11. The Lord has sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Oh, of the fruit of thy body will I sit upon thy throne. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, their children shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. Verse 13. For the Lord hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. What's he desired for his habitation? Zion. Palestine, the Middle East over there. The Mesopotamia, that whole section over there. The land that he told Abraham, look at it. <laughs> It's all yours, big guy. We're going to give it to you and your, and your seed and that covenant that he makes and the land deal. He says, I chose that for my dwelling, for my rest. It's an interesting thing about the rest. In Genesis, he says, the Sabbath day is a day of what? Rest. And he sanctifies it, doesn't he? And I know what happens. Everybody says, whoo, I got a day off in the week. Woo-hoo, it's the Sabbath that's Saturday, by the way. Do you know that that's a thanks for playing? I like the old Archie Bunker Bronx cheer stuff. No. 
Family Feud. You know, you watch the old ones, you know. You guys okay? I'm just checking. You know? Hey, look, what is the Sabbath day all about? It wasn't to give them a day off from working. It was to cause Israel to stop and remember and think about the doctrine of why he created the earth and why he made them and put them as the head, not the tail. Why they were his people and no no one else was his people in the earth. They were to stop and to think about creation, not worry about do I turn and cook the night before or not. Our, we got an oven, a new one a couple years ago, and I'm reading through the manual. You know, the most unread book is the car manual, the owner's manual for your car. Except nowadays you need a Ph.D. to understand the goofy thing. Anyway, I was reading through it, and you know what my oven has? It has a Jewish setting. So and I can set the Jewish setting so that on Sabbath morning it will turn on by itself, cook whatever's put in there, and I don't have to turn it on and do any work. Isn't that crazy? That has nothing to do with what the Sabbath is about. It's about a day of of what? Of rest. You ever think the Lord got weary of making something? He wasn't worn out. It's a stop. Think about what I'm doing here, guys. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell. I chose Zion. I did all of this on the earth so that I can come and rest and dwell with my creation. Come on over to Jeremiah 14. Jeremiah 14. Get to walk through the Old Testament this morning. Didn't you think you were going to do that, did you? Jeremiah 14. Oh, yeah, somebody says, yeah. Hey, I'm an equal opportunity user of the whole book. Okay? Folks, when you understand the issues of right division, this whole Bible becomes real to you. Because you're not trying to put you in it. You're letting it be what it is. Jeremiah 14, look at verse 21. Jeremiah 14, verse 21. Do not abhor us for thy name's sake. Do not disgrace the throne of thy glory. Remember, break not thy covenant with us. Notice that. This is the cry of the nation. Remember us. Remember your covenant with us, Lord. Don't disgrace the what? The throne of thy glory. When does he come? Come on over to Matthew 25. The glory of God is going to be manifested on the earth in the second coming when he establishes that kingdom and his throne. Matthew 25. Matthew 25 and verse number 31. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His, what? Glory. And all the holy angels with Him. Then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. He's in His glory I don't know if you've ever thought about that second coming. The route's given to us. He comes out of the north. He comes down the east coast of the Mediterranean. He's okay. Comes down through there. 
through, through all that area, goes down into the Sinai Peninsula and burns all that up. And, and, and you read about the, the guys, he, he, the blood comes up to the bridle of the horse, and, and you read about the guys in Ezekiel and the speckled riders behind him. Well, what does that mean? They're, he's kicking it up, right? If you've ever followed horses behind in a mud or something, or, well, it doesn't even have to be a horse. It can be me on the quad, you know, and it's all back there, right? Fishtail in it. And you think about what's going on, what's going out from him. What does Revelation say is coming out of him? The sword of the word, the spirit of his, of his mouth, the, the glory. It's just laying it all waste. He calls the armies of the Gentile nations to the battlefield, and then he just, you're done, and they're done. Big nuclear explosion. When you read the details of what's happening, the only thing that you and I could ever picture that could, could take and burn up the elements that way is a nuclear blast. That's what it's going to be like. He comes down around the bottom end of the Sea of Galilee and Bozer and Idumea and burns open that opening to the, down into the pit, into, the, into hell. Goes back up and stops where it's time to cross the Jordan River where Joseph... And Joshua and all the boys were when they went across into the land. And he sets his foot down for the first time on that, on who? On what? The Mount of Olives. Splits that thing wide open. He's been riding a horse till that point. Puts his, hovers over, cries over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Goes in and liberates her. Meanwhile, the Antichrist has run for the hills. The false prophet, they've taken off up north, gone back to their stronghold. And the Lord goes walking right up there and says, come on down, it's time for the big battle. And the battle of Armageddon, the valley of Megiddo. And he lays them waste. You know what's going on out there? That's his glory. Then he sits in the throne of his glory. Chapter 19 of Matthew. You see, folks, the manifestation of his glory, Matthew 19, is associated with him coming back as the king of glory. Matthew 19, verse 27, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Beloved, I'm sorry, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. You shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. The manifestation of his glory is associated with his coming back and establishing the throne of his glory. Where he's going to sit as the king of glory. Where he's going to reign over the earth. Using Israel in the process of using Israel out. Come over to Romans. It's not on the overhead, but look at Romans 15. And he's going to use Israel to then go out into the earth, into their quadrants, into their sections. Romans 15, verse 8, we read, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. And that the Gentiles might glorify God. See that glorify God for his mercy as it is written. 
For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again, rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord all ye Gentiles and laud him all ye people. And again, Isaiah, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. You go back and it says the Gentiles are going to come to your light. The light of what? His glory. Because who is he? He's the king of glory. Now come over to Isaiah. Back to Isaiah, sorry. You see, folks, in Israel, Isaiah 60 but we're going to start at the end of, verse, of chapter 59, verse 20. The glory of the Lord, the King of glory, it's vested and manifested in His throne. Am I going too fast? Okay. If not, keep up. If I am, keep up. <laughs> okay? 59.20, Isaiah 59.20. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. He's coming to where? To Zion, second coming. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee, and my, and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and, for how long? Forever. There's a component of the new covenant he's talking about. Chapter 60, verse 1, arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen, where? Upon thee. God is going to display his glory in the earth through who? Through redeemed Israel, from the true Israel of God. Verse 2, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy name. What's he going to do with Israel? He's going to take Israel. He's sitting on the throne as the king of glory, and his glory is going. The twelve are in place. Israel, the true Israel, is in place. And he says, you know, the Gentiles are going to see my glory in you. His glory is going to be seen. And when Christ returns, he's going to redeem Israel. And when he redeems Israel, he's going to take Israel and put her in a position to where she's going to manifest God's glory throughout all the ages to come here on the earth. That's wonderful, because if he's going to do it to them, guess what he's going to do with you and I? Same thing. Come back over to Psalm 67. Psalms chapter 67. You see, folks, this is important to get. Psalm 67, verse 1. God, be merciful unto us. And bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. Again, what are we talking about? Second coming. You ever think about the plagues with Egypt? There's ten of them where God goes in and deals with the ten major gods of Egypt's religion. And he demonstrates that there's no other god but him. And he defeats them and he defiles them. And, but if you ever read that some of those plagues did, never fell on Israel, 
but some of them did. Pictures. God's judgment's going to fall on that apostate nation. But that believing remnant will say that right there. Be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. That thy, that they, that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon the earth. Selah, let all the people, let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase. And God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Oh, what a day that'll be. When Israel sits as who she's supposed to be and comes through. And goes and does. Come over to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40 and verse number 1. Isaiah 40 and verse 1. We see this passage here that gets fulfilled in the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the ministry of John the Baptist. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every, every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Where's that going to happen? It happens when he comes back, doesn't it? When he sets up his kingdom. And Israel is going to become a shining public display of his glory. Come over to Matthew chapter 13. Just see it here quickly. Matthew chapter 13. I tried to show you this when Israel so you understand when we go over here and talk about you and I it's going to be the same thing. Same way. It's just counting us. This is Israel. Matthew 13. Notice if you will in verse 36. Matthew 13 verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Now, it's an interesting thing. He start, starts to talk in parables, but he explains how to define the parables for you. So if you hear someone say, well, you can't understand the parables, just go, yeah, you can. <laughs> you know, nan, nan, and boo-boo, you can, you can. You just have to do it according to the word of God. He answered and said unto them, verse 37, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. What's going to end the world? A burning of the fire, isn't it? Judgment. 
The Son of Man shall send forth his angels. They shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. What are we talking? We got second coming. We got tribulation, 70th week of Daniel. Verse 43, first word. Then, after the tribulation is all over, after the angels have gone down and gathered in the harvest, kicked out, got out the, 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 the chafe, got in the wheat, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. When do they shine forth as the sun in the kingdom? In the kingdom, I just told you. Chapter 16, Matthew, verse 27. Here it is again. For the Son of Man shall come, Matthew 16, 27. The Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Chapter 17, verse 1 and 2, where we started. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter and James and John, his brother, and bringing them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias taking with them. It's interesting that when they saw these two guys, they knew who they were. Heaven's not going to be an unfamiliar place. The kingdom is not going to be an unfamiliar. They're going to know these guys. You're going to know them. What do they see? They see they're eyewitnesses of his majesty, Peter says. They see the glory. And the shining again is not from outside, but it's rather from the inside going out. So the king of glory is his glory shining forth through Israel as they take their rightful place in the kingdom that he set up after his second coming. Now come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, because there's another title, and it's called the Lord of Glory. You with me? It's 1 Corinthians 2. And if you get 1 Corinthians 2, then get James 2, two passages. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world come to naught, for, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Whoops, there we go. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Okay? James 2, verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Okay? That's the only two places that that title, the Lord of Glory, is used. 1 Corinthians 2 and James 2. In 2.7, go back to 1 Corinthians 2. And by the way, it's very interesting that it had that thing on the end of that verse about respecter of person. And what's going on in, in 1 Corinthians 2? They're having issues of respecting people and persons and personalities. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto, what? Our glory. 
Now we're going to talk about the Lord of glory, and guess who it has to do with? Us. And it has to do with our glory. The Lord of glory has to do with the glory that's going to be revealed in us now. Come over to Ephesians chapter 2. And I went ahead and put all those up there just so you have them. We, we won't hit them all, but we're going to hit most of them. Ephesians chapter 2. You see, folks, as a member of the body of Christ, we're going to participate in his glory plan for the heavenly places. Ephesians 2, you start there in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Everything that he did for, for you and I, he, he has set us into a position. He set us into a position in the heavenly places. By the way, if you'll notice the past tense in that verse, this is already done. We're just waiting for the reality of it to come into our existence. He hath made us, he hath made us sit together in heavenly places. Verse 7, that. Why did he do this? Folks, when you got saved, when he died for your sins and you trusted him, okay, God the Father reaches over the whole of chapter 1 of Ephesians and says, I'm going to bless you with all. This is what I'm going to do for you because you're now my, in my son. You have now taken on the DNA structure of my son. We're joint heirs with Christ. What God gave the son, he's going to give you and I. Where did he promote the Lord Jesus Christ in Ephesians 1, verse 20, 20, 21, 22? 21. He promoted him far above all principalities and powers, right? He set him at his own right hand in the what? The heavenly place. Where are you and I going? Same place. Heavenly places. God's grace. He has set us up because of who we are in his son. What's God doing today? Come over to 2 Corinthians, or come back to chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, verse 17. Great verse. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. You see, folks, God's forming a new creation today, isn't he? A new creature of humanity, a new species of humanity that is going to be able to function and, and reside and live in the heavenly places. By the way, we're going to look at our new bodies. We'll spend some time looking at that. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, wow, what's the there, therefore? Well, based on what you just learned coming out of verse 14, 15, 16, what you just learned coming out of chapter 1, or verse 1 down through there, about the, the, the issues of what we're waiting for and the death. What happens when someone dies? Where do they go? A believer we're talking about. Where are they? Well, they're, they're naked. They don't have a new body yet. They're waiting for a new body. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He's forming a new species of humanity. New creature, something brand spanking new, never seen before, where he's going to take humanity. Come over to Colossians 1. He's going to take man, dirt man, mud man, of the dust. You're going to go back to the dust. 
And he says, I'm, you know what I'm going to do with you? I'm going to give you a body fashioned like his glorious body, and I'm going to promote you to the heavenly places. And you're going to take over the government of the heavens for me. Colossians 1, verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. What are the all things? Government, rank and authority of government, administrative duties. I love that. I was talking to Dad about this, and he's like, well, it's more like we're administration. <laughs> you know, okay, We're administrating duties here. And he says, I'm going to do that for you. Why? Because they were all created by me and for me. He's the head of the government. And, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Wow, what a statement about you and I. When the rapture happens, the day of redemption, our gathering together takes place. You know what we become? The firstborn from the dead. Isn't that fantastic? That's fantastic. Never to die anymore. Why? That in all things he might have the preeminence. You see, folks, the purpose in all things in the government is to come along and let him have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Come back over to Romans 8. You see, folks, God's design in this new creation, creature is different than he ever had before. It's to come along and to equip and to take the body of Christ, the church, and to cause them to have and to, and to, and to, and to take the position of rank and authority for the honor and for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he does it in the earth, Israel. We saw that. But he's going to do it with us in the heavenly places. Romans 8, great passage here. Starting verse 18. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Drop down to verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. Wow, we're going to get a new body that's going to match his spiritual design. It's going to match your spiritual position of rank and authority in the government. It's going to be a body, Philippians 3 calls it, Fashioned like unto his glorious body. Boy, what a... You go study that glorious body. We will. We'll go look at it. It's fantastic. You think about what the Lord could do. He comes off the cross and he, he's hidden. Then he reveals himself to the... To, I love the women. They want to hug him. <laughs> Whew, good, you're not dead. <laughs> you know you know what's going through their mind. Oh, come here. And he says, you can't touch me. I haven't been about my father's business. He leaves that moment in time takes a trip to the third heaven. It's gone about three hours, about two and a half to three hours. Goes up, fulfills out the Abrahamic covenant part. 
climbs up onto the altar there in the throne room of the Father and says, Count, take me. I'm the sacrifice. I'm that lamb. I'm the lamb. I took care of it. The Father says, yep, gotcha. You're good. They're good. Boom. Off he goes. Right back down to earth. Then he shows up, and what can they do to him? Hug him and touch him. He walks through the wall. They're on lockdown. I mean, they got the cameras going. They got the AR-15s out. They're, we're locked down, baby. And he shows up in the middle and goes, boo. <laughs> you, you, I, you know he wanted to. But he doesn't. He says what? Peace. Be still. <laughs> Peace. One of the guys looks around and goes, hang on a minute. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. How do we get twelve? Who's, oh, my goodness, there he is. And you know what he says? You got anything to eat? And he sits down and eats with them. Then he gets up and walks right back through the wall. That's a glorious body. That's a body that's moving. Could you imagine coming from, going from earth to the third heaven and back in less than three hours? And they're talking about going to Mars, and it's going to take 35,000 years or something stupid. Dude, you're moving. That's the body you and I get. That's the body. Come, over to, come back over to Colossians 3. And you know what we're doing? We're demonstrating and we're setting forth the glory that shall be revealed in us. Colossians 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Wow. That's a wonderful passage. By the way, the appearing with him there in glory is after the rapture as he establishes up us out there into those heavens, and we begin to rejoice. And we begin to reflect his glory coming out from out in us, out, inside out. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. You see, folks, what a day that'll be when we reflect out everything of who we, he is and who we are in him. And we put that on display. We'll talk about what helps with that and what you can do now to, that impacts that future. Because what you do now, if you seek those things which are above and set your affections on things above, you are properly thinking properly in who you are in Christ and manif- then you know what's going to, that's going to have an impact, isn't it, on eternity. We'll talk about that. 2 Thessalonians 1 He's coming back with fire and fire, uh, verse 8, and flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, this is second coming, tribulation time. Verse 10, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Think about that. 
Christ is going to be admired in all them that believe. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. As we go out into the heavenly places, you know what we're putting on display? His glory. He sets us there. He moves us up. Titus chapter 2. Titus 2. And you know what he does? He puts us on display, and we shine forth his glory. Titus 2 and verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the, what kind of appearing? Glorious. Appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Boy, that glorious appearing. As he comes back and he takes you and I home to the heavenly places. The passage in Romans 8, 18, the glory that shall be revealed in us. That's why I tell you, folks, you are so valuable to the Father that you have, I don't think you, we quite, not you personally, but we, the group, don't quite understand that. God's intention is to fill up the heavenly places with a perfect reproduction of his son. And we're going to put all that on display. He's going to fill all things with you and I. And he does it by starting by giving us a glorious body. Cleaning you and I up through the judgment seat of Christ. Come over to Ephesians 5, last passage, I promise. I got my toes crossed. Whoops. Ephesians 5. What a great verse stuck right here in the middle where Paul is talking about marriage and the relationships. And then he goes and he begins to talk about church, the Christ with the church, his body. Verse 27, 527. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that's, it should be holy and without blemish. We come out of that judgment seat of Christ, that's our condition. He takes us to the Father, and the Father begins to put us out. He begins to decorate the heavenly places again. With him, we'll, we'll, when we get in, we'll see the lights and the stars and everything. That creation of the, of the, of the uh, zodiac out there and all that was designed for a reason by God to communicate his word and his will and what he wanted done to the earth, and the adversary comes in and pollutes it, causes it to fall. And he says, the heavens are, they're not pure in my sight. Cleans all that up, then takes that church, us, and you know what he does? He goes, this is what it does, and he decorates the heavenly places with us. And we sit there for the ages to come. Not just one age, but all of the ages. And we shine His glory, His grace, 
who he is, what he's done for us because we're in his son. That's the Lord of glory. And that's the king of glory. Now, we're going to go back and get some of the details, fill in some of the blanks, and the how he's going to do it, and the plan, and put the plan together. I just want you to see the father of glory. He just didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I think I'll do this. He had a plan that started before the foundation of the world. An eternity passed on the drawing board before he ever created anything. Just the Godhead. And they said, we're going to do this. We're going to call it glory. And we're going to move and we're going to do. And we're going to allow creation to make choices for themselves. So that they're not robots, but they're willingly trusting and believing me because of who I am. And here's who I am. And he lays it all out. And you and I get to participate in that because of who we are in Christ. Because we've been to Calvary. We trusted his shed blood. And the Lord, the Father says, because you did that, and the justice of God is satisfied, he says, this is, this is the plan for you, man. Who will have all men be saved and what? Come to the knowledge of, and this is what we're talking about. It's wonderful. It ought to be a woohoo, you know, with that song about shout, you know, the victory. I whatever. I led too much music this morning. Okay, think about some of this. Contemplate it. Get your get your book out and study it down through. I gave you the treetop or the root base. <laughs> You can grow it out the rest of the way. It's wonderful. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for the folks, for their willingness to come to sit and to, te- to, to be taught, to learn, to study, to get excited about what you're doing, to not have the, 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 the downs of, the, of life around us weigh us down, but rather to have us move into the heavenly places in our thinking. And have your glory be on our mind. Because as we glorify you, then you're going to glorify us. Because of who we are in your son. We just thank you for that. For everything that you've given to us. You've blessed us with. And Lord, I just pray as we go day by day in the week, in the weeks to come. That we would just be reminded of our future in the heavenly places. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to stand. There's a...